Hi, welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Enrico Colantoni. You know him from, well, take your pick. His television credits include Hope and Gloria, Just Shoot Me, Veronica Mars, Flashpoint, Remedy, Powers, and Person of Interest. And as far as feature films go, well, forget about it. He's in Spielberg's AI and Soderbergh's Full Frontal and Contagion, but of course, he was Mathisar in Dean Pariseau's Galaxy Quest, from which all greatness literally flows. And you can see him opposite Katie Finley in Chris Treblecock's The Dark Stranger, which comes to DVD and VOD today from Raven Banner Releasing. Enrico picked Midnight Run, Martin Brest's beloved 1988 action comedy about two guys pissing each other off across America. Robert De Niro is the cranky bounty hunter Jack Walsh, whose simple assignment to bring in Charles Grodin's bail-jumping mob accountant Jonathan Mardukas turns into an epic cross-country chase. With the pair trying to stay ahead of the FBI, a rival bounty hunter played by John Ashton, and Mardukas' former employer, a very angry gangster played by Dennis Farina. If you've seen Midnight Run, you know how much fun that chase turns out to be. If you haven't seen Midnight Run, well, see Midnight Run, obviously. But this turned out to be one of those conversations that uses a film as a springboard rather than the focus, so you'll be okay. This is someone else's movie. It was, it was just before De Niro got old. He was still young and vibrant and still had that that cool sort of thing about him. Charles Grodin, again, before they all got old. And how just a commercial road picture could be so could have so much heart and still be so funny. The first time you see uh, three-dimensional mobsters mobsters with a sense of humor yeah. mobsters that you know have a have a an etiquette a life etiquette that's mm. nothing personal it's nothing personal yeah and it was the first time I'd saw I saw that and I was a young actor at the time I hadn't I hadn't made a dollar at that point but it was just a movie that I would always go back to and and remind myself of how much heart De Niro and Grodin had. And how funny it was and how real it was. Plus the whole metaphor of like, you know, the road pictures. I lo- always love road pictures just for that reason. Gotta get somewhere. We might not always get there, but fuck, I'm gonna try getting there. Yeah. And that was, uh, and I guess it was at the perfect time in my life where I was still on this journey of, I want to be an actor, I want to be successful, I want to, um, and I didn't know what it looked like, I just knew that I wanted to get on that road. And it's often dismissed as, you know, just like, really, Midnight Run? But it always makes me happy. The soundtrack is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, that little opening sequence where you find out who he is and And it's completely unlike anything else Danny Elfman's ever done, right? Like it's all blues guitar. So fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Fun. And George and I got to work with George Gallo later on on a film called uh, My Mom's New Boyfriend or something. It was called uh, 
Homeland Security, the working title was. But just, it's just, to me, it's it's just the perfect screenplay. Because shit happens and it's funny yeah. at the same time. It, it's not at the expense of one thing or the other. It's just like it's based in such a cool, real world. And De Niro is so awesome and so watchable and just like quirky. It was, I mean, some of the funniest stuff he's done. That, 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 that when he's on the phone, he's saying, "I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna kill him and throw him in a swamp." Like, you know, he's since then he's tried to recreate those moments, and it's just like, you know, buddy, it's just, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you're not that guy. You're the funniest when you 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 bring that heart that is you, and let Groden be funny and his throwaway stuff. It's just like he's the the best straight man, just the greatest straight man. <sighs> yeah, it is. It's kind of remarkable. I went. Well, back they were both straight men. I was going to say, really, they were both straight men. It was just like who was. Yeah, the the key to the buddy film is usually that there's you know like it's a lethal weapon thing where somebody is irritated with the other's wacky antics. Right, but the, but they were the both. They, they, they were both pissed off yeah. all the time, like all the time. Yes, yes. Everything is going wrong. Plus, I'm a hostage, or everything is going wrong, and my hostage is an asshole. <laughs> And, you know, they just, they get weary of each other. And then I think the friendship that blooms in the, over the course of the two hours is just because yeah. they finally realize that each of them is as miserable as the other. And then there's, you know, they just leave each other at the end. Yeah. I did what I had to do. Yeah. Fucking broken watch. Which was apparently something that um, De Niro came up with on his own. I'm sure. To knit into the fabric of the thing. I'm sure. I remember, I don't know if it was an urban myth or something, but when they were doing King of Comedy, how De Niro wanted uh, Jerry Lewis's watch for whatever reason. And they stopped production. Jerry Lewis was off playing golf in Florida at the time. And they had somebody track him down, yeah. say, uh, Mr. De Niro wants to wear your watch. Just in the film as in Pumpkin. The, yeah. As Pumpkin, yeah. And, you know, he's about to tee off. And he goes, all right, if it was anybody else, I'd say, fuck off, but it's an arrow here. Take my watch. They ship the watch back to New York. Nero puts it on, covers it. You don't even see it. Right. And then he can do it. It's just like that kind of off-the-wall technique, out of the box. I don't know what. I mean, nobody, you can't fake that. I can't suddenly make that watch important to me. And you can try to understand a performer like like him. But there's so much about his personal life that you just, you know, he's an outlier. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's just, whatever happened to him in New York growing up, having a an artist father, closet homosexual, just whatever, you know, that history was, just, but he's, he's just, He's still uncompromising to me. When I see him in this film, I was like, there he is. He's still... That's... That's how he's gonna... That's what he's gonna look like in heaven. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? The perfect version that's, of himself. That, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. anything after that is just like, nah, he's, he's getting lazy. He's getting tired. Yeah. You can tell. It's... 
Heat was, you know, just the beginning of... But that other one he did with Pacino was just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Oh, Righteous Kill. Righteous yeah. Kill. Is like, what the fuck are you guys doing, man? Yeah. There's, a, there's a whole world of legacy wrapped up in in De Niro's career, I think, that we don't... That we... Even I don't think he understands the way that he's sort of just doing... There's the shift, you know, in 2000, he makes Meet the Parents, and suddenly he gets offers for comedy, and he starts to sort of tack that way. But, yeah, he... Um, Heat's that sort of perfect fit for him as a character. It doesn't require him to do a lot of work, as opposed to something like Midnight Run, which and this and this is the thing that just stuns me. Midnight Run is a year after The Untouchables and two years before Goodfellas, and it's like watching somebody ten years younger. It's completely is that true? Yeah, Untouchables is eighty-seven. Yeah, he lost the weight. He does Midnight Run. Two years later, he ages up a little for Goodfellas because remember the character right. ages over yeah, twenty-five yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the end of Goodfellas. Old De Niro is the one that we get for the rest of his life. For the rest He's of his just, life. It's, that's him now. For the rest of his life. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And that's 20... I mean, it's almost 30 years ago now from when they run. It's 20 yeah. years. And it's... It really is. Like, he's he looks... He doesn't look quite as clean as, you know, Vito Corleone, but he he's grizzled but it's not an unhealthy aging grizzled. It's just like he didn't shave and he's maybe missed a haircut. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess it's the same way of saying it's it's the last movie I thought he... Well, Goodfellas, because he's working with his old buddy and stuff. But it's... It, it, that's so interesting. Yeah, it really... It's the comedy, too, because in the other films he's not playing it's the it. It's the real comedy. Yeah. It's a real comedy. It's not a bullshit comedy. It's not... It's not... It's not the... Uh, You know, it's not meet the fuckers. It's not. Yeah. It's not where I got to rely on. Yeah. That all the time. You know what I mean? That's my idea of humor. It's funny faces. I don't. He's real. He's still real. Yeah. No, it's a great performance. And Groden is just so real. John Haston is so good. Yeah, I don't. And all of them. I don't think there is a duff part. Like everybody in it is great. Um, this was the first time I think Dennis Farina did comedy, right? Because he was doing Crime Story and Manhunter was and that all that stuff. Was that the first stuff. thing? And he was so... And he's still scary. Not, not playing the comedy at all. Yeah. He wasn't playing the comedy at all. I'm going to stick this pencil in your... Whatever he says. Yeah. I mean, that was all Gallo. Yeah. And when, the, the... You know, when Gallo writes... when You know, when a script is just funny, it becomes actor-proof. You don't have to... That's what Just Shoot Me was... For me, he didn't have to. That's I think that's why David was so good at it. He didn't have to. They didn't rely on him. They just he was Finch mm. for the first time. It was just like I'm Dennis Finch. So it's the thing where the writing is strong enough that how can I put this? I guess well the characters get the laughs rather than the performances, right? Because yeah, you're relying exactly. on how the yeah, audience will exactly. respond. It's all. It's all Brando called it actor proof, you know, when when he referred to uh, that scene in On the Waterfront. Yeah. Well, it's, it's actor proof, but I understand what he means. It's like when something is so good, a mediocre actor could make it great. Right. Only a great actor can make shitty writing wonderful. Sure. You know. But with this, you have great actors and great writing 
and and, it, and and it's completely commercial. Yeah, it's not it's not an art house film. It's it's like it's a it's a it's a buddy road picture. Oh, no, it's a full on crowd pleaser. I'm stunned that it wasn't a bigger hit. Me too. Every time. Me I'm, too. Every it, time. I'm reminded of the, I, I every did the time. research. I looked it up. It's like number twenty nine for the year. Are you kidding me? Uh, every time. I just couldn't understand it. But it but thanks to cable, I guess primarily, and also video, it just never went away. Thank God. So yeah, so you have the. You have. I mean, that's the great kind of backstop of, of the industry after the 80s is that movies just didn't disappear and you could not anymore yeah, right you can yeah. linger and catch them not anymore people can rediscover the TV TV too the same thing happened to television sure I never thought those were going to hit uh, when they released the first like VHS tapes of television episodes I think it was the X-Files and they were selling them at sell-through for 20 bucks yeah. you could have two yeah. episodes and I'm yeah. like are you kidding anybody who watches the X-Files tapes it I mean everybody you, knows that presumably <laughs> if you have a VCR that you can play these tapes you have already recorded it yeah, to watch sure. everybody knows that like that was the show for obsessives and of course that's what it was they were so obsessive they had to have the new cassettes they had to have the, the perfect versions and so what a coup yeah somebody said wait what's happening the world <laughs> on its head people are buying this stuff yeah and here we have they run on glorious HD DVD here well, I'll never forget the first time I, I plopped a VHS in a in a, in a video recorder. It's mm-hmm. just like, is this? I was, you know, fifteen, sixteen, maybe a little younger, but just could not believe that it was actually happening in real time. Yeah, but the same thing. movie that I had to wait for on Sunday night, with commercials, I could actually watch, in real time, and I was like. I would watch, what was it? It was that Clint Eastwood movie over and over again. I was playing the pilot years ago. Firefox? Firefox, yeah. I would watch Firefox over and over and over again. Not even paying attention to what was going on, but just couldn't believe that I was... You could do it. I could do it. I could put it in and just press play. Mine was Blue Thunder. Maybe it's an airborne thing. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, because visually you were watching things that... Yeah. Terrible pan and scan. Yeah, it wasn't just two talking heads. It was like it was a, it was a, it was an action. It was an action action based thing. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I mean, we, I, I'm assuming we were both lucky enough to see it in the theater. But um, it played with my audience like it was going to be a huge hit. We saw it on, yeah, midnight run. We we saw it on opening night. I think it must have been like the seven Uh or nine o'clock show, and it Mm -hmm. played. I mean, people loved it right away. There was none of this. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's connecting. Total hysterical. Yeah, total involvement. From the first, uh, from just that first. Yeah, Danny Elfman. It is such a, it's it's, and you know, in in context too, you've got like this is the film from the guy who made Beverly Hills Cop, right? With um, Maudie Brest. Yeah, yeah. Who was not known for flopping, right? Like nowadays, I think he's sort of. With stuff like Meet Joe Black and and yeah, it's too bad he's trending out somehow. Although I think Meet Joe Black is really like seven. How old is he now anyway? It's got to be in his seventies. Yeah. I mean, at some point we got to give those guys the benefit of the doubt that they're just fucking tired. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They just. I mean, I, I think it was Dan Aykroyd who I first heard someone say, "Guys." Baseball players retire. Why can't actors retire? Because yeah. everybody wants to know, what are you doing next? What are you doing next? It's like, and he actually said, I'm, I'm retired. Yeah. He's he allowed. He's allowed. Yeah. It's, um, who else? Allowed. Sort of Gene Hackman's off writing books now. Gene Hackman. Hasn't made a movie in 10 years. Yeah. 
Yeah. And if you want him, he works eight hours a day. That's the rule. That's the rule. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Because you get tired. Making that shit, man. It's exhausting. Yeah. Well, And that goes back to De Niro. I mean, he's got to... There's got to be a sense... I mean, how old is he? 70-something now? Must be, yeah. There's got to be a sense of... How much are you going to pay me? Yeah. To do what? What? <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. Well, that's it, right? Like, it can't be... It can't be no. hard to be Robert De Niro at this point because the work comes. Yeah. He's doing all those... The international co-production stuff that he does 10 minutes in or with another, like, 10 other actors and right. then he just burps up on VOD right. eventually. Right. I saw him be half-decent in one of those a little while ago and... Dude, was, the guy reads a phone book and he's he's still Robert De Niro. It doesn't yeah. matter. But it, it, it but but you, you said it. it. It's... it's. I don't... I don't need to see him old unless he's doing something that's pushing his own envelope his personal envelope yeah he's, if he's pushing it he's, he's pushing it then I want to I want to see him do it but that's the last time I've seen him play himself and be great at it yeah he does it in Everybody's Fine the remake of the Tornatore film it's maybe ten years ago now he plays a father who's going to see his three kids around yeah around yeah the and US. again and again playing an old guy who's just sort of I, I don't I mean, I thought he did a much better job in the intern. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, just because yeah. because it wasn't he's it, just playing he, his own reality. He's playing his a, 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 a you know he's in New York. He's in his yeah. element. He just for some reason anything that happens in his backyard. Yeah. That thing just seemed a little too. Uh, maybe the whole thing seemed a little too forced. Yeah. Because well, the original was so. I it was. I mean, it was just you know again trying to remake something that really did it need to be remade oh we got De Niro to remake okay yeah Rockwell was good but I always think that he's good but. yeah but you just put but again like half of it is just putting the right actors together with each other and letting them do this stuff and and again it's but, but see uh, you, you know we could talk about sports teams too when sure. we think that putting all these great players together is going to make a great team when when it's not the case it, if we had a I don't know. I, maybe I give the writer way too much credit for everything, but if it's if it's ready to go, we talk about Galaxy Quest for a second because there was a film, there was a film that was such a funny idea that everybody around the table reading it was wondering why haven't somebody why hasn't somebody made this movie already? Right. But reading it and exploring it, we kept finding all these little can you know can of worms. And Dean would say, well, let's not open that one yet. Let's not open that. Yeah. So that, I can't even say that that was all on the page. Okay. Because even, uh, even Mathazar was just, wasn't written the way I had played him. Yeah, I know you wouldn't, this, but, is, this but, is actually celebrated on the Blu-ray now, that you, this is out, that people are acknowledging that you invented the Thermia and everything. Yeah, but that was Dean. I give Dean all the credit for okay. that. Sometimes it's just one guy. Because you do you you have you have Alan Rickman and Sigourney Weaver, and Tim Allen. Sure. But Tim talks about having to dance for the role. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was the first time he actually walked out of a meeting going, "Oh, you mean I have to I have to sell myself?" Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, because it wasn't a Tim Allen movie. Sure. You know what I mean? It wasn't Santa Claus. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't built for him. Yeah. In fact, Kevin Klein was supposed to do it. And I think it was Ivan Reitman. 
Okay. Well, they've made films together. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And uh, and then something happened where somebody didn't want somebody, and they all went see ya. So it was it was it was a month and a half before they went into pre-production that they hired Dean. Okay. And Tim was sort of like had to meet him like just I had to meet them like everybody else and he was like really really surprised so he he came in see I, that's what I mean it's just it was like it was the perfect storm because he didn't come with that that chip on his shoulder he right. really came he worked out he actually gave a shit because yeah. suddenly he's working with Sigourney Weaver and Sigourney was fantastic because he, she knew how to calm him down because Tim liked to bounce off the walls yeah. and she brought him back and Alan God bless his soul was just you know didn't want to give him too much you know uh, too much slack you right. know what I mean I but haven't it, been able to watch it again I've been craving it actually but after Rickman died I just I'm not ready yet yeah and uh but it was it was it was it was it was accidental it was almost accidental because god it would have been because sick. dean was just sort of like i, I you know I, there's no time to think of overthink this shit mm-hmm. he didn't have the time to overthink it he saw what i did in the audition he goes yeah can you do that again let's set up a thermine school let's do that it just seemed so spontaneous and organic that it was just going to happen that's amazing and it would have been so different with klein yeah. Like, not only would he and Weaver be too relaxed with each other. Yeah. Because uh, they worked together a bunch. Yeah. But he would have, like, I can feel his performance. He would have gone for Shatner and Tim Allen just being Tim yeah, Allen. Yeah, Tim is Allen. Just, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, no, that would not have been the same film. And the whole time, even, even when we were, Dean was cutting it and we were doing ADR, some of the funniest things on screen, he was like, We'll see. <laughs> really? We'll see. Because there's, there's always the fear that there's more fun making something than people actually watching it. Yeah. And that's what we all sort of felt. We were, we were all having such a great time. Is it going to translate? And it's just, I don't, you know, and then there are those moments where it just, again, not a, not a popular, I think Stuart Little beat it yeah. opening weekend. Yeah, it definitely found its audience after the after the fact, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh Again, my God. because of yeah. So I, you know, but I mean, know. every single person who's worked on that movie that I've had the fortune to talk to just talks about it as one of the like. Rain Wilson says he's made two perfect movies. He's or rather, he's been in two perfect movies: Galaxy Quest and Almost Famous. Uh-huh. Uh, I got to talk to Rockwell a couple of month, a couple of years ago. On uh, Seven Psychopaths, when that came through TIFF, what a and it fun was movie that is. it was him and Walken in a room together, and oh my, my first time talking to either of them, and basically just me, just you Gushing. guys, you guys do, you just talk, <laughs> you be, and I'll just listen. Rocco does a great Christopher Walken. Oh, he would. Did he do it in front of him? No, no but everybody's got their version of Walken. But Rocco's actually is him and Spacey's are probably the best. Yeah, it's all in the. Uh... And you know who else Spacey does, which is so. Just, I guess, arbitrary. <laughs> is is William Hurt? Really? Nobody does William Hurt. Yeah. Spacey does 
I've never seen that. On the nose, fucking amazing <laughs> William Hurt. It's like William Hurt. Yeah, my only characteristic for William Hurt is mild confusion and annoyance. I can't picture what an impression would sound like. Well, well apparently, um, <laughs> um, Spacey understudied him in Hurley Burley on Broadway. Uh, okay. Back in the day. So he spent a lot of time just... Wow, what a time that must have been. <laughs> yeah. So do you, like, that's the thing, right? Like, do we feel like all the great moments are behind us in terms of these acting opportunities where everything comes together just right? I mean, they must still be making those. They must still be happening. I guess so. I don't, you know, I don't, I, I, which comes first? And, I mean, the attention in the 70s and in the early 80s was all about story. Mm-hmm. And filmmakers, real filmmakers, really wanting to, to tell a story now. I mean, we can talk about the whole franchise thing that's happening and how how less and less respect is given to the performer. You know? Yeah. Oh, Spider-Man? Oh, we can just get a new Spider-Man. Yeah. It's not the actor anymore. Although the kid, the new one, Tom Holland, is great. It's Fantastic. He's what you want it to be. But of, but of course. And Hollywood is going, we can, we'll pay him $2 an hour. Right. And he's our new Spider-Man. We don't need, uh, you know, uh, a- a- Andrew Andrew Garfield anymore. Who was right. a fantastic Spider-Man. Who yeah. had humor that Tobey Maguire didn't bring. And, but you're right. This kid, he's going to... You mean the kid in the... Um, in Civil War, yeah. He's in gonna Civil War, yeah. 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 You see it, and then within, like, ten seconds, you're just like, yeah. oh, right, oh, of course. Right. And the genius of that movie is that you get Downey to introduce him to the audience. Yeah. Like, to sort of bring him into the fold in a right. weird way right and so oh look right. here's that other guy who right. totally possesses right. this character but it's true though yeah. we don't care about who played Spider-Man before yeah no it erases the continuity and they're all those movies are gone completely gone it's like uh, and so and so it I, th- I think it lessens everything the whole the whole thing the, the whole everything becomes diluted everything becomes diluted we're not watching Ben Affleck anymore. We're not watching a movie, a Robert De Niro movie. Hmm. Just a guy in a suit. We're watching yeah. The Fockers. We don't give a fuck about it. De Niro's doing it. Pacino's in this movie. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, miss those days. How many Midnight Run spinoff movies were there? I think there's four cable things. Huh. And well, again, again, here's something you read. You go, this is fucking predictable, and it's like it's like one-on-one storytelling. Right. What makes it wonderful? I, I don't know. The Godfather. You read The Godfather, it's just like, that's not me, Kate, that's them. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, really? It's so blatant and on the nose, but it's like everything else. It sort of rises to the occasion. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what people are watching now. It's like we have to read about these independent films coming from New Zealand or from Australia that says, oh, they're making some really interesting stuff. It's like, what? What, what are they making? You mean they're paying attention to story and characters and good actors? It was like, oh, really? Is that... And then the guy from, who makes the New Zealand movie is making Thor. So... Right, that's how right. Works, right? Like, right, it's, it's, right. Let's it's get him to make Thor now. Maybe he'll bring that... No, he's making Thor now. Yeah. You think about, you know, the one, the one time with, like, with James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy, you get Marvel paying $200 million to get a James Gunn movie. But that's okay because it's outside the existing. Like it's there are no other characters involved. They don't have to worry about all the moving parts. It's just this adventure, and it's a weird, goofy, low budget looking, big budget picture. 
But yeah, I mean, I, I love that movie. It's great. It's delightful. But it also is the outlier for Marvel because it doesn't have to worry about joining all the other pieces. And then you get you know the second Avengers movie where there's all this pipe being laid to bring in the Vision and how these other characters. This guy will figure in three movies later. You'll see. You'll see. But right now we have to spend twenty minutes on this character that doesn't really factor into the movie you're currently watching. But it's world building. That stuff is what exhausts me. And with Midnight Run, it's all there already. Like the world is built. We, we get dropped into it. And the same with The Godfather. Like We're introduced to the world of the Corleones with that That's tracking right. shot. We're pulled right in. That's right. The movie doesn't care if you are up to speed. That's right. And with Midnight Run, there's all this previous stuff, like the stuff between De Niro and pa- Pantoliano. We don't know what happened. We it don't ever matter. find no, out. We never find out. Yeah. It's like, who cares? No, you're right. Yeah. There was a, it was about assuming the, your audience was smarter. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, I don't. My brain is melting. <laughs> Sorry, um, heat waves are no good. It, it, you know, and, and 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 it sort of came to light with my nineteen-year-old son, because mm-hmm. he's he 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 graduated high school by the skin of his teeth. Okay, really, not because of not being a smart, articulate kid or funny and socially. Active and he just didn't give a shit. Right, I kind of had that sort of right. Yeah, yeah. he he would get he would do his assignments. He'd just never turn them in. And so, and sure enough, it's by the end he was failing four classes, and he needed to. So when he had to get back on that horse, he got what he he did what he needed to do. But he he loves making film. But it 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 was just this moment in our relationship when I when I understood what he was striving for. Because to me, it's about the 10,000 hours you put into something. Right. To really say that I am an expert. And if it's about filmmaking, then where is that, where is that time? Yeah. Where are you putting that time? Don't you want to learn from this guy? I've invited him to set again and again and again. Not his thing. Because, because his brass ring is the whole YouTube thing. Okay. So he's chasing a different He's chasing a different a different yeah, which which I applaud. Mm-hmm. But doesn't require ten thousand hours of 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 doing something. Right. You it's it's accidental. He's just he's just throwing fucking spaghetti against a wall without knowing what he's doing. He's just like very cool and he's a, and he's a visionary and but he doesn't want to understand he doesn't want to, doesn't want to understand what he's trying to say. He just wants to throw it out there and get a million followers or right. likes or whatever. Does that happen? I mean, I don't know if it can happens. it happen. I guess because I've seen some of the things that are very popular. I go, this is just a guy with his buddies making stupid, funny things, mm-hmm. fart jokes, right. and people are loving it. So it seems accidental to me, right? Because it's just a guy with a, an iPhone and his buddy, right? So you just have to find the thing that I, I guess, and to. it's just like. But does that take? Does that take skill? Does that take intent? Oh God, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. For the ones that, I guess, for the ones that actually survive, I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that over time they discover their intent. Right now, it's yeah. just you know I'm going to jump in the pool. And yeah. see how I and, and learn how you, to swim. You evolve yeah, you evolve into yeah. it. But that, but that, but that, that comes with the ten thousand hours of of, uh, of 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 mastering anything. Yeah. 
but that immediate sort of, I, I do this, I want to get it now. And that's the part where I wish I'd get. At least he has ambition. Mm-hmm. Instant gratification takes too long. But without integrity. Yeah. Without the integrity of, I want to be good at this. Yeah. I don't want to necessarily just be popular. I want to be good at this. It's like building a brand, right? The brand has to stand for something. I guess. I guess, but, but please. So many brands are getting so popular right away without standing for anything. That's true. And so we're, 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 we're you know, we become intoxicated by that. The popularity of something as opposed to... Sure. I don't know. Well, as opposed to the meaning of it. I mean, a uh, perfect example for me is Twitter, which I love yeah. deeply. The most successful tweet I ever had yeah. is a riff on the Spider-Man lyrics. I was bored. Kate was out of town. I saw a clip of Spider-Man somewhere, like, flipping around on cable. Maybe from the cartoons? Well, the song, yeah, Spider-Man. yeah. So okay. I just changed it to, like, spins a web, any size, catches thieves, eats those guys. And it's like, that's what a spider would do. I just, I got yeah. bored, and I was yeah. thinking, well, that the logical extension of his powers is he would eat the captured guys. And... 5,000 likes, 37,500 retweets. It's still going um, every now and then. And it's just like, that's not what I want to be remembered for. I How about that time I told people about Kirstami dying or, or you know, the thing uh, I see? wrote about this thing? It's like, no, you can't control what hits. No. Uh, or doesn't. Or doesn't. And it's just so weird to watch the world um, chase this thing that you can't understand like it's the same problem we've always had nobody knows what sure. we hit yeah uh, you know William Goldman and all that but nobody knows anything but the idea to chase the the throwaway joke the ephemeral thing to make you know like try more of that so people laugh more and then you realize li- likes and clicks are val- ultimately worthless they're not like it's not revenue generation to to have a successful tweet. It didn't change anything about... Like, I maybe picked up a few more followers. Right, but it didn't right, 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 right. And then you just... The stuff that ling- the stuff that lasts is the stuff that's good, the stuff that people actually care about. I can't imagine anybody thought about the Spider-Man tweet for more than two seconds. They just clicked like. But that's kind of... It's, it's clever. When well, you sure. read something, you kind of go, hey, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It just it just made it just occurred to me that I've been maybe I've been a little too hard on television executives throughout my career. Is it possible to be too hard on television? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I mean to their to their credit, they have to believe in everything they're doing, mm. and they have to place an importance on what they're doing. My criticism was always they would approach it without any sort of self awareness of what you just said. We, it's elusive, right? But they really want to believe that they can control it. That what they say actually has importance. But maybe they're just. Maybe what? What else are they going to do? They can't. They can't go through their lives going. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Here's <Yeah>. hoping. <laughs> this time will be great. This, or or fuck, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do you know? Who knows? Yeah, I suppose if you project confidence, then people assume you're confident. If you admit that you have no idea what people will go for, like throw something out there in the world and see how it does, you get eaten. Like, you don't get the opportunity to do that. No. I, re- I remember when we were still doing Hope and Gloria, 
uh, I was at it was at Warner Brothers, and uh, how Warren uh, Littlefield said no to ER and Friends initially. Like didn't want it. Yeah. Like didn't want it. Okay. Do you know what I mean? What was that? what? Brought I don't him, know. What brought him around. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was. Uh, I mean, Les Moonves was was at the head of uh, Warner Brothers at the time. Maybe he, you know, maybe he reminded him of something, but no, but he didn't like. And again, Warren didn't tell me directly. This right. was just something that was sort of going around that yeah. Warren Littlefield almost said no to ER and Friends. It's like, well, sure, in hindsight, you kind of go, what an idiot. But at the time, it's like, how the fuck does he know? Yeah. And there was nothing else like. Nothing. I mean, ER was. Nothing. Because, because any, 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 any guy with. With any taste, would have taken Chicago Hope over ER. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, Chicago Hope was. It had the bigger, the cast, better, the better. better sh- just yeah. and, and just the stories were just great stories. Mm-hmm. ER is just like Never fluffy. Watched either one. Never. No, I watched. I think I watched. Um, oh, was it Tarantino's episode of ER? Did he direct one? Yes, he some, did. Yeah, and he brought in yeah. characters from maybe the Loka or something. I think I watched that. Yeah, he did. And it seemed very frenetic. But I couldn't tell if it was Tarantino or the show. Maybe. I, I don't was know. never a big medical show guy. Yeah, I don't blame you. And I say that realizing of course you've done one. Well, you know. Again, you know, I never I never I never called it a medical show either. I always re- and and Greg and I agreed it was a, a family drama that mm-hmm. took place in a hospital. That makes sense. The procedural of the week was sort of peripheral. Mm-hmm. And how he filmed it, and how he wrote it too. Just like, oh, okay. but it's more about the, which was, which is what made it so. Um, it did feel like family. Going to work was probably the best experience I'd ever had. Going to work anywhere. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Plus, they treated me differently. They let me direct episodes. They let me, you know, Greg included me. And where the stories were going, I didn't feel like I was just a gun for hire. Right. Do you find that more with the Canadian productions in general? They seem well, to. Well, I think Canadians, Canadian productions, are just fearful of actors. They, you know, nobody wants to give anybody credit. Right. Nobody wants to to share credit, and they don't, and they certainly are afraid of an actor taking control of something. Mm-hmm. But Greg, because he was an actor. He, uh, and he wrote for the actor. I mean, if you read an episode of Remedy, it's, it's a 44-minute show, but he, he there's 75 pages. Okay. Anybody reading it would go, this is, this is undoable. Get the fuck. Bring me, bring me a 50-page script. Right. And he goes, no, 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 no. Read the dialogue. And sure enough, every episode ran under 42 minutes. Sometimes we didn't have enough <laughs> because it was all ba 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 It's all cadence. And uh, and so you have to, you have to say to the actor, "Let's do this together." Otherwise, it's just like the 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 indifference toward actors, and not just in Canada, but even in the United States, is just like it, it's still. I, I just find it so surprising how insulting by not being included in the process. Because they are the last piece in the puzzle. Yeah. You you know, director spends weeks prepping, and there are other people prepping, and they know exactly what's going on. 
and an actor is just literally escorted onto set without any sort of context of anything, and they're expected to just stand there and say what's written and not waste anybody's time. Right. That's still true. Yeah. Well, television too, and like as episodic has gotten more expensive and elaborate, it would have to, right? You'd have yeah. less time to actually shoot. Yeah. I mean, you've worked on massive production. Like, Person of Interest is a big show. Big show. Big show. So, as far as... I've been trying to figure out a way to bring it back to Midnight Run that, that's rooted in the right... <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. That's awesome. No, it's, this is a pleasure. And, <laughs> and awesome. the insights... Like, that's the whole point. But as far as the level, the scale of writing, like, movies television has sort of supplanted movies as the writer's medium now it's, yeah, it it's sure all has. become yeah. very very action driven and concept driven and on TV you get like I could believe that someone would pitch a midnight run series or sort of try to get the idea well you know those are case of the week or something yeah 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 and they did do four television movies with Chris McDonald and they're just not satisfying because they're not the movie because midnight run the movie has both this amazing intricate script and deep character design but it also is cinematic like it actually yeah. feels like a film yeah I mean you I mean there are places in America that I want I want to I want to go back to Sedona yeah you know I want to see those places that they you know Chicago it, the, yeah it, it, it's like a, it's a travelogue yeah. you know it's like you know discover America yeah. well the best road movies really do make you want to Go there, the journey, yeah, right. Because you know, yeah. and also you know, whatever happens to you won't be yeah. as bad as what Amarillo, you're Texas. I'd never wanted to go to Amarillo ever in my life. I can't wait to get there. I want chorizo and eggs in that one diner. I chorizo and eggs, chorizo and eggs. That's that. Leonay's potato. Yeah, that whole sequence is just a masterclass in acting, and just a way to to sort of mm. sell people on who the person is That's through the most fantastic. basic dialogue. Just the way just that looking at the change. Yeah, or the way that um, the coffee. Yeah, how much is coffee? That one, exactly. Find How much is tea? <laughs> yeah. I'll have tea. Uh. It's the resignation. Because <laughs> that's, that's the point. Like, that's before the flight sequence. That's before the breakout. Yeah. There's that moment where, you know, you're just watching these two amazing characters. You're not thinking about it as De Niro and Groden. No. You're finally, they're at that stuck. point in the film, like, you've assimilated into... And they're stuck. Yeah. 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 They're stuck. It's a... Uh, and... We haven't even mentioned... These plays go down. They go down. (laughs) Again, even funnier when you figure out that it was a performance. Like, that's... Uh, On second viewing, you get to watch... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can watch Koto... Yafit Koto being this magnificent slow burn. Poor Yafit Koto. Oh, he was great. Poor Yafit Koto. Apparently, he hated it. Uh, He did? Yeah. He hated the shoot. He said it was arduous and hard work, and they knew they were making a comedy, but they were sure no one was going to laugh. That was his perspective. Really? But only him. Like yeah. Nobody else talks about yeah, the shit yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. It makes perfect sense that the actor who spends all of his time being frustrated and angry on screen... Of course. ...would feel, oh, God, I have to go do of that course. again. Of course. Of yeah. course. Because I'm, I'm, I'm the butt of everybody's joke. Yeah. And he's hey, crossing... Hey, Agent Grant. Yeah. And he's crossing the country, going from location to location, and every place he goes, he's going to get yelled at. Uh, yeah. I think that's amazing. That's a, that wonderful perspective thing about, um, you know, the, like the joke about the guy who plays the grave digger in Hamlet and they ask him what it's about oh, yeah right right, 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 so, yeah, right it's about right, a grave digger meets right, a prince right right yeah, yeah. for Yafikoto it's Midnight so Run, is a, true it's oh, torture. that's so awesome yeah it's a 
And he again, though, he's the perfect actor for that part. You need someone who's that intimidating and that physically imposing uh-huh. to be frustrated uh-huh. and, and emasculated constantly. And just that one little smile he has at the end. Yeah. It's probably the best time he had on that film. Yeah. But you feel it. like you. And, and maybe that was Martin Brest figuring it out. Like, if you get him angry... I guess. In the end, when he lets Well, you know, out. De Niro had something to do with that. Just like, you know... Probably. He's the kind of guy that I, I would... Again, going back to De Niro, because... Mm. He, he's the beacon for me and always has been yeah. and I've met him on several occasions but I've always met this De Niro yeah, give me your hand yeah oh, okay the non-committal yeah. yeah you know what I mean a yeah. friend of mine runs a restaurant uh, that De Niro owns in, in the, the Tribeca yeah I sound so I sound so uh, his name's Andrew he's actually recorded an episode which will be out later this year uh, he runs the uh, La Conda Verde is, is Andrew's place in, in the Greenwich Hotel um, and you know De Niro's dad's art is on the menu yeah, and it's on oh, the walls nice. and they've worked together a bunch and, yeah. and Bobby shows up at yeah, the, the openings of his other places I've never met him and it's like I've heard the stories of that De Niro yeah. who is so completely alien to the concept of De Niro that I have as yeah. an entertainment journalist right Right. I, I've never met him either. Yeah. But, but there he, is another, yeah, there is a different yeah, guy. Different guy. Yeah. Different guy. And I don't know if I would enjoy working with him as an actor, mm-hmm. just because my sense is that there's such mistrust that he has for other actors. Right. It's just a feeling I have. I don't know. Because you hear stories about, you know, what he would do to get per- certain performances out of actors. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. off camera and stuff. And it's just like, really? That. That kind of weird method. That kind of me- weird me- me- method kind of thing that you really... Um, I would not appreciate that. Well, yeah, I, mean, like, no, well I mean, you know, we if I were a young guy who really didn't know how to get there, I think that would be great, but... Yeah, sure. But you then know, you get like Jared Leto sending used condoms to people on the set of Suicide Squad because that's his Joker, and I'm like, I would probably have him arrested. Yeah. That's kind of annoying. Yeah. I don't know Lito. I've never met him. Yeah. That kind of stuff. You just, like... You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. Because let's not take ourselves too serious. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's like it's Marathon Man all over again, right? Dear boy, just try it. Yes. Of course. Yeah. But if... It's weird. If De Niro... If that's his thing, then I kind of want to see it. You know what I mean? I don't don't want to see it. I want to... Because, you know, of course... You spend that much time in New York and the whole six degrees of separation happens again and again and again. You mm. end up hearing stories about his personal life. It's just like, really? I, I don't want to hear that stuff. Yeah. I don't want to know him as a human being. I want to I wanna love what he does and I don't... I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know him as a human being. <laughs> You'd rather he be the icon. I, of course. Yeah. Of course. And that's the whole thing with this fucking shit, the whole Twitter thing. Yeah. It's like people want to know you. Yeah. People aren't happy just knowing the actor or the character. There's no more there are no more secrets. They want to know you. And if you don't stop and take a picture with them now, they're insulted by it. Yeah. Yeah, the concept of celebrity as public performance that was something in the 50s and 60s that it seemed intrusive and ugly but at least it was also controlled now 
it gets evolved into like the the like the Annie Hall scene, right? I'll be singer over here. This this guy that they know from somewhere. It's not really important. Right, but gonna right, take right, a right, 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 right. And now what it is is con. Yeah, and like 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 we were saying, it's Comic Con all the time. All the time. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you having played, I'm I'm just I can think of three or four roles that I loved uh, as as sort of iconic performances and all that, and like Mathazar alone. But you were Keith Mars. You were everybody's dad for three years. Yeah. Galaxy Quest, I think. The biggest reason why the chemistry was so wonderful is because of Dean. Mm-hmm. There was a moment there was a moment where as math is our uh chill. I forget the character's name, but the Oh you know, Daryl Mitchell, yeah. Daryl Mitchell. Daryl Chill Mitchell. You know, he in the in the crash he he breaks his, his arm or something. Yeah. He breaks his arm, and one of the things, I don't know if it's still in the movie or not, but Mathazar literally picks him up and carries him to the to yeah. the infirmary. Yeah, yeah. But all the other actors are going, but he just broke his arm. And Dean was the only guy who said, just let him. <laughs> just let him. Yeah. Because, of course, Mathazar doesn't care about whether it's his arm or his leg or his head. He's that nurturing guy who's just yeah. gonna ease your suffering. I'm gonna take on your suffering. Plus, he's a thermian, so he's strong. He's, he's big, strong right? too, and like, that's another thing I wanted up. to show. Right? He's just like literally pick him up and just walk. Yeah. But it was just so funny how, because it wasn't logical in the moment, a, another director would have gone, "What are you doing?" Right. And Dean didn't. Dean said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," because he trusts the actor. Yeah. Well, you get, you know, like it's, it's breast letting De Niro do whatever he wants with the watch. It's letting John Ashton get angrier and angrier and angrier. Yes. In scenes yes. where maybe he shouldn't, but yes. that's who the character yes. is. Yes. It's pumping that trust into yes. the movie, right? But here's an example where Groden was a gun for hire. De Niro was part of the whole casting thing. Yeah, and he, was, he, was a, he, was a, he was attached you know, all he, along. So he had a better context for what the whole thing is. But for a guy like Groden, to come in and just be the gun for hire, I yeah, think, you know, because he talks about it, he goes, how did you prepare for it? He goes, I made a phone call <laughs> to see how would I embezzle to my, to my account friend, how would I embezzle blah, blah, blah. That was, that was the extent of his research. That's amazing. You know? And they had, this is a role that had bounced around, like Cher was considered for it briefly, oh, apparently, and uh, Albert Brooks, which could have been interesting. It could have been interesting? Yeah. Could have been interesting. But Groden makes it... Like, He's an accountant. He, he makes it He's impossible to believe that anyone else would have been any good at all. He's just so good at the line readings and the physicality and the and just the, the, the exhaustion. His shoulders, I swear, they get three inches lower <laughs> over the course of that first hour. But he talks about I think he wrote a book about it, and there was a beautiful chapter on the whole Midnight Run thing and how he had never experienced working with a guy like De Niro who literally... Yeah, oh, he's would grab him him and drag him, and just when they were that whole Chicago shootout scene, it was just like, ah, <laughs> like what the? And I think he's nebbish enough to just take offense to it. Yeah, where De Niro is just sort of like, let's get in there and and uh, and, and, yeah. and play. You could see how Groden is just like, don't touch me. <laughs> Not unlike Billy Crystal, who I made the horrible mistake of touching him in an audition. Really. That's a bad thing? Yeah, apparently. 
apparently didn't realize it at the time it was just like you don't want to get into a space because he was just like get out of my space it was for um, that giant movie he did oh my giant yeah my yeah. giant yeah my giant yeah. I auditioned for that and he was right there reading with me and it was just like I was just bouncing off the walls and I thought hey fucking Billy Crystal he's gonna get it yeah. no <laughs> I'm a comedian that's amazing I'm I'm always surprised at individual uh, meth- methodology is the wrong word, but the, like idiosyncrasies. Well, yeah, it's the way people view <laughs> neuroses. Well, but the way people view what acting is, because when yeah. you are like no, you're absolutely the right. So, um, last question before yeah. we wrap it up. Yeah. The the final question on the show is always the same. Yeah. Which is what about Midnight Run? Have you pulled into your own work or? made sure you acknowledge or even just outright stolen is there anything from the film the attitudes or anything that you've used well I've I've started to write a little bit and I've started to you know of course I I don't know if I'm a novelist or a playwright or or a screenwriter because my my screenplays tend to tend to have a lot of dialogue that you would normally see in a play but Mm -hmm. but that's the interesting thing to me but it's not just about what's being said it's how it's being said and I always found that a movie like Midnight Run had humor um, it wasn't it wasn't about it wasn't about oh this is a funny movie it was there's nothing slapsticky about it it's again real characters saying real things under funny circumstances yeah and so I always use that when I'm writing dialogue and character because um, because it's never about the joke. It's never about the joke. It's always about these two guys stuck with each other trying to get on a midnight run. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just like, that's funny. And these characters, these... Those... Those... Um, those mobsters, funniest clowns I've ever seen on in, in, in film. You know, mm-hmm. when he's wearing his hat, hey, how long is it each? Yeah. Uh, he ain't mad at me, is he? It's yeah. like... Everybody has an inner life. Real, but real, real issues. I, I, I you know, you want to you wanna paint characters like that. Mm-hmm. You want to paint the mobster who's insecure, whether his boss likes him or not. Yeah, and you want to, you want to, even even a guy like Dennis Farina, who who's just, who will kill you with a pencil. Actually, he was like probably the most on the nose character for me. I mean, he had to be. Yeah. But some of the things that he said that came out of his mouth do some fucking thing. He was allowed, that character was allowed to be the character. They were, they had room to be who they were. All of them did. All of them had room. And maybe if Yakit Koto, you know, wasn't so tightly wound, he might have found something, something else in that performance, but... Yeah. To me, they were all—all all the characters were allowed to be, and even Dennis Farina's two-dimensional, bad, tough guy, 
had room to just to be something other than yeah well I mean his threat at the end is so chilling because it explores yes and here's a guy here's a guy here's a guy who's willing to risk um you know he literally comes out and makes himself vulnerable Mm -hmm. yeah just for just for that for for the fear and 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 it's Groden's line who says what is he afraid of what is he really afraid of Mm. and it's true he got to play that that fear of like oh here's here's what makes the guy vulnerable here's what makes a guy a killer vulnerable and he was allowed to show that vulnerability the movie the character he was allowed to show that vulnerability it wasn't just ah fuck you I'm gonna come in and just blow your brains out he exposed himself because he was afraid. And when the way he took it, the way he took it yeah. and ran away, it was like, oh, you, you're, just, you're just not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah. You're not allowed, so that's what, I, that's what I, when I write character, I want, I want them to be allowed to do things like that. Yeah. I really want them to be allowed to have those vulnerable moments where and show it, not just talk about it, not just speculate, but really, really show it. And that's what, I mean, you know, it's just so funny how it just came when, 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 when uh, they told me what the show was, this show was about. I mean, I love a lot of films. Yeah. But, that just, yeah, it's great. I it love it ca- when that happens. It came, you know. It's not the uh, wasn't the Godfather. <laughs> that would be a different conversation. Yeah, that would be. A, but it is. It's 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 commercial meeting. Uh, just, just, well, maybe just all the elements working together to make something that could have easily been two-dimensional and flat yeah. because you've seen it a million times before but because of the director and because of the writing it was allowed to just breathe yeah yeah it's um it's a it's a freak accident right like it's the thing that people will be trying to duplicate yes. forever and never even yes. come close to yes yeah what was that book it was Charles Grodin's book mm. something from a wheel from a oh the one I read was the earlier one it would be so nice if you weren't here oh that was his first autobiography I think yes yeah, something yeah. like an autobiography yeah. Yeah. At the time. yeah yeah there was a chapter about oh now I have to go find that just how they're so they were so different but just how they were completely different but then Nero talked about how you know Grodin was perfect for that right but he was analytical about it. It was just like, no, that's where, the, you know, it's perfect. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, even George Gallo has been trying to recreate it. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you, right? Just trying to recreate something that is just so commercial, but all the elements were allowed to breathe. There was apparently a rumor that... Uh, that someone at Universal was trying to mount a sequel around 2010 with De Niro coming back to help the Duke's son. Uh, Which, right? No. Yeah, no. I, I want to believe that the reason it hasn't happened is yeah. because De Niro even knows that wouldn't do it. Yeah. 
unless they paid him enough. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Something, I don't think he's that guy. But no. Sometimes you just know when you should leave something alone. Please leave it alone. And this is kind of it's kind of funny how all this talk about the remake of Galaxy Quest. Yeah, what is that? I, I stopped hearing about it since Alan's death. It's going to be a Netflix series or something? It was supposed to be on, on Amazon. Okay. But they, they, they just stopped talking about it since Alan passed away. Mm. And I don't know how pivotal he was going to be in the whole thing or what the, the concept was, was, but my reaction has always been, where's the engine to that show? Yeah. Why, why do we... It's over. So like the, the, movie, done. the movie told yeah. that story. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that was my first... Yeah. And I, I mean, admittedly, you can reinvent, you can relaunch. It's certainly been proven that you can bring new life to old properties here and there. But there are some movies that are... That's what William Golden called the non-repeating phenomenon, which he said was an excuse that executives come up with to explain why they didn't see it coming when something's a success. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah, well, we couldn't make one of those. It's a non-repeating phenomenon. People just went for it. Oh. But Galaxy Quest is one in that it should not be repeated, to my mind. I don't think it needs another story. That is, like, I'm no. happy knowing that's that things it. went on that way. I'm, I agree. Yeah. And whenever I was asked, you know, do you want them to make the sequel, I go, no, please don't. Yeah. Please don't. Let it live like that in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Where it's a... De Niro, that's who... That, that's... that's the perfect dog. That, he's the perfect Robert De Niro in that movie. Just perfect. Every little thing. His bold. His bold. His bold legs. Yeah. You know, pumps, skipping, skipping yeah. down the, the, uh, the those stairs. That leather jacket. You know that frumpy leather jacket. That's just. Yeah. That's how I want to remember. My thanks to Enrico Colantoni, whose new film The Dark Stranger is available today on DVD and on demand in Canada from Raven Banner Releasing. If you're in the U.S., it'll be out in October, so keep your eyes peeled. And follow Enrico on Twitter at Rico Colantoni, all one word. No N. You can find Midnight Run on DVD from Universal Studios Home Entertainment right now, but on August 23rd it gets the deluxe treatment in a brand new Shout Selects Blu-ray edition from Shout Factory. It's also on iTunes and Google Play. Because, of course, it is. And I really do have that HD DVD I mentioned. And trust me, I'm really looking forward to trading up. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, that would be very kind of you. This week's call sign is Chorizo and Eggs. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 